Come on. Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Don Graves. Don, are you ready to do this? I'm ready, George. Absolutely. Let's do this. Don is a reverse mortgage income planner, practitioner, speaker, educator, and advocate. He is the principal and chief conversation starter with the HECM, H-E-C-M, Advisors Group, and an adjunct adjunct professor with the American College of Financial Services. Don is considered one of the nation's leading educators on reverse mortgages. Really excited to have you on. Don, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. (laughs) Thank you, George, for having me. I'm just an old-fashioned guy. My family is from um, Kentucky, so I maintained some real Kentucky sensibilities over these last 52 years, which means I try to keep it real simple that my father and grandfather and great-grandfather can understand these concepts. And so um, I've been teaching at the American College for Financial Services, which is really the premier institution for financial advisors in America. The last four years, I've had the privilege of teaching about reverse mortgages and the retirement income um, certified professional coursework. 19 years I've been doing this, George, nearly 20 years in the reverse mortgage space, and I'm more excited than ever as the reverse mortgages move from spooky land. <laughs> That's the part of the theme park. I don't, know, I don't know what you have out in Phoenix, but where we were from, that was part of the theme park where the haunted house was and the, and the haunted train ride, and Mama said, don't go over there because the last time that girl never came back. <laughs> and reverse mortgages, for many people, have been over in spooky land. And we want to bring them back where the Ferris wheels and the teacups and, and the regular part of the theme park. And that's what I'm excited about, and I'm passionate about it. Excellent. Well, that's a great way to put it, and that's exactly what I'm hoping to accomplish today. Move the idea of move reverse mortgages from spooky land to, uh, to cotton candy land. So, perfect. <laughs> <clears throat> well, if, if, if you would, give us sort of a, a history of just brief history of, of how a reverse mortgage came to be, why they were in spooky land, and how it is that they're now moving to away from spooky land. Sure. George, you ever see those commercials uh, about running out of money in retirement or running out of enjoyment? And the question is, are, are you concerned about running out of money? And the answer is most people really are who are retiring. They're not all the way certain that they're going to have enough savings to last them all of their retirement or all of the enjoyment they want to have in retirement. And so um, we want to help people unlock or, or their, their biggest asset to create their best retirement. And housing wealth, that's the term you'll hear me share today, really is a way to do that. And so reverse mortgages, um, you hear me talk about synonymously with housing wealth. First thing I want to say is that using the home in retirement is not a new concept. How many folk have said, I don't want to have a mortgage in retirement so I can leave the house to my children debt-free? Well, that's a form of retirement planning. That's legacy planning. Or how many have said, you know what, I need to borrow money from my house to put on a new roof or to help my son with his wedding or or any number of things or, or to go on a vacation and they get a home equity loan or line of credit. 
and they make payments so they don't have to cannibalize other assets. That's a form of using the house in retirement. Or finally, people say, this house is too big for me. I'm going to downsize to a smaller home. I'll save on cash flow. Maybe I'll add some money back into my savings. All of those are, are ways that we've already used the home in retirement. So the reverse mortgage comes along, 1961, as a private program, 1988, 30 years ago, to answer this question, how do retirees who are going to be living longer, they haven't saved enough, many of them will carry debt into retirement, how do we help them to create a better retirement using the housing asset? And the answer is, well, if we could allow them to borrow money from the equity in their home without the requirement of making a mandatory monthly payment, that could really be helpful to them. And that's the genesis of the reverse mortgage as we know it. Simply a way for retirees age 62 years or over to convert a portion of their home's value, turn it into tax-free dollars that does not require a mandatory monthly mortgage payment. So those dollars now can be used to do a variety of different things. The loan gets paid back when the last surviving borrower permanently departs the house, when they move or decease. At that time, whatever money mom and dad borrowed, plus the interest that has accrues, gets repaid, and 100% of any remaining equity will pass on to the heirs or the estate. And that's the reverse mortgage. Four words have helped a lot of people, George. Four words will help your listeners. And someone says, Don, what's a reverse mortgage? I tell them four words. It's just a mortgage. It's just a mortgage, but structured a little bit differently. And early on, you said 1988 is when they came into existence? 1961, as a private program in the United States, 1988, they came under the authority or auspices and oversight of the Federal Housing Administration, which is a, a division of HUD, the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development. So 1930 years as a um, federally insured loan, but more than that as a private program. So they've been around a while. And what was the problem in the early years? When they came out as a private program, Portland, Maine, um, same kind of principle. Let's let's um, allow Mrs. Robinson, who has a $300,000 home, to convert some of that to money that she doesn't have to make a payment with. Fantastic. The challenge was now Mrs. Robinson has lived to 100 years of age, and she now owes you $400,000 because she lived, you know, 38 years. That's great, but her house is now only worth $300,000. She owes you more than her home is worth. So in the private program, the lender would say, well, you've got to, your children have to cover that law, so you've got to sell other assets, or we're going to sue your estate. So the difference was in 1988, the Federal Housing Administration under the federal government says, we will now oversee the program and insure the program. And the insurance is, if Mrs. Robinson lives to 100 years of age and she ends up owing $400,000, but her house is only worth 300000 then the Federal Housing Administration's insurance fund will make the lender whole. There's no deficiency judgment taken out against the heir or the estate. They'll have no responsibility for repayment of the note. So that's what FHA's involvement did. It made the program safer 
and more accessible because no one's going to have responsibility if the house happens to be less um, than what the loan is owed at the end. Got it. Okay, thank you. And so fast forward, and here we are in 2018. And like any financial instrument, if it's a, a home loan or if it's an investment, things keep evolving and changing. Um, and I think one of the great trends in, in the financial services industry is that of transparency and also to degree fee compression. Can you explain to me or tell me a little bit about are these easier to understand than they used to be? How, is it transparent so I can see the fees if I'm a consumer and understand how much people are making? Is it understandable? Sure. The The reverse mortgage, unlike many other traditional mortgages, has always had transparency in its fee structure. I've been doing this nearly 20 years. There have been three primary fees when obtaining a reverse mortgage. The mortgage insurance premium, what goes to HUD. The origination, what goes to the lender. And the third-party charges, things for title insurance, notary, dot prep, appraisal, all of that. So those three categories have always been required to be upfront and absolutely transparent. That has not changed. So that's, they're as transparent as they were and will continue to be that. I think where we're seeing tremendous gains and improvement is the acceptance of the reverse mortgage as a legitimate financial planning resource to be incorporated with your other strategies. That's where your listeners will begin to see uh, a change. So for you, George, as a retirement income professional and a planner, traditionally, there are three pockets of wealth that you're working with, the client's income. They're still working. Maybe they're getting Social Security or pension. Their investments, 401k, 403b, IRAs, things of that nature. And the third category are their insurances. And that can include annuities, a business to sell, life insurance, permanent whole life insurance, gold, silver, whatever can be converted. So income, investment, and insurances. And out of that, when they reach the retirement age, you had to work with those three pockets of wealth to make sure they had sustainable purchasing power for the duration. And the question was, well, is that enough? Are those three pockets of wealth sufficient? And the answer that's come back resolutely is not for most. So what happens when we add housing wealth, housing wealth into that equation? Well, it opens up a whole new door that we can convert their biggest asset to create their best retirement, not by separating housing wealth, but by incorporating it into all the other things that the retirement planner will do. And I think that's where I know that's where we're seeing the greatest movement and the greatest strides as people are saying, wow, I didn't know that I could do that, or I didn't know the reverse mortgage could do X, Y, and Z. That's where we're seeing some real gains. Excellent. And just as a... Just as something that I saw on your website, that you were part of the team, or part your work helped to change FINRA's position on reverse mortgages from being maybe a negative thing to be a really positive and important aspect of somebody's financial plan. So I credit you with that. Well, credit the Funding Longevity Task Force, which I was a charter member of, which was an academic think tank created by Retirement Funding Solutions, and now it's part of the American College, 
and Dr. Barry Sachs was part of that task force, and his brother Stephen Sachs, they were really the ones that um, spearheaded the research and looked at the metrics, because for so many people, if you said reverse mortgages, if you said it at the wrong time, you could really get stabbed at the family reunion and picnic. <laughs> and you maybe didn't realize your aunt had done time before until she made that shank out of the plastic fork and knife. <laughs> so if you mentioned reverse mortgages at the wrong time, it could be bad. Now, on the for the financial advisor, and for those who maybe had a, a greater awareness of it, the position was, oh, I would only recommend that for my client as a last resort. And that was the FINRA's position, the Financial Regulatory Agency. Their position, their written position, was reverse mortgages should only be used as a last resort. But that had never been challenged. That was just something that seemed right, but it wasn't. Until Dr. Barry Sachs, his brother Stephen Sachs, asked the question, who came up with that? Is that true? And they began to just do the math and run the, the, the metrics. And what they discovered was that using reverse mortgages as a last resort for the average mass affluent baby boomer was absolutely, unequivocally the wrong thing to do. And that research went to FINRA, and to FINRA's credit, they reversed their position and eliminated the last resort language. So now FINRA's position is reverse mortgages should be used in conjunction with a prudent financial plan. It should be entered into wisely. That's exactly what we agree with. Excellent. So is there a profile of somebody that this is appropriate for? <clears throat> that, that's a great question. When I started nearly 20 years ago, AARP had a VHS. That's how long ago. <laughs> and, and, you would, and, and it would come on, and it was a whole 30-minute kind of um, education about reverse mortgages. And when it started, it would say, do you consider yourself house rich but cash poor? And then a reverse mortgage could be for you. And that kind of became the, the, the moniker for the program. Well, how many people want to raise their hand in the seminar and say, hey, I'm house rich, cash poor, even if it were true? Right. Um, there was a stigma attached to that, but it was never true. Reverse mortgages were never really used by those who were simply house rich and cash poor. And so the spectrum of who's using it, who's the ideal borrower, goes from those who are constrained on a fixed income to those who may be considered affluent by others. And you would say, why would this person want a reverse mortgage? Let me give you an example, George. A, a financial advisor for a, a large firm called and says, my client has $5 million with me in assets under management. And they live in a, a $4.5 million home on the New Jersey shore. They're a retired CEO of a large multinational pharmaceutical. And I'm listening, and I said, yes, why are you calling me? And they said, well, because they're interested in a reverse mortgage. Now, most people listening will say, why would someone who has $5 million invested in a $4.5 million home be interested in a reverse mortgage? Here's why. Because uh, last year they had put an elevator into their home, and it was $200,000 to put the elevator in. And with that $200,000, their total mortgage against that property now hit $2.5 million. So they had a $4.5 million home, but they had a $2.5 million in mortgage obligation 
at about $26,500 per month leaving the household. And so this person who was very affluent was spending $300,000 a year in debt servicing on their home, and they wanted to create cash flow. So for them, one of the considerations was, let's look at a reverse mortgage, a jumbo reverse mortgage, to see if we can, if that could help. And so it could, it could. So the spectrum of um, who's the ideal borrower really ranges. Let me give you a question that I often ask listeners and financial advisors, because sometimes if you're, again, at the picnic and someone mentions reverse mortgages, you may get a reaction. Right. And so I ask this question to advisors and to those who may be listening through the podcast. What percentage of your clients who are at or near retirement do you think would have a need for a reverse mortgage? And if you're listening and you're not an advisor, just translate that. What percentage of your friends who are at or near retirement do you think would have a need for a reverse mortgage? Now, people will say, I don't know, Don, 5, 10, 15 percent. I say, great, that's fair, that's honest. Second of the three questions is, well, what percentage of those people would say they're 100 percent certain they'll have a great retirement? Well, that's a different question, George. Are you 100 percent certain you'll have a great retirement? Well, maybe 5, 10, 15 percent would say, well, I'm 100 percent certain. Some would say 90, some would say 80, but most have a measure of retirement uncertainty. And I said, great, that's very honest. Third and final question. If there was a proven resource that allowed you or your clients to increase their cash flow, reduce their retirement risk, preserve assets, improve liquidity, and even add new dollars back into their savings, what percentage of your clients or what percentage of your neighbors would want you to tell them about that resource? Well, that's a much bigger number, isn't it? Sure. That's 100%. Because 100% of people at or near or in retirement want to know about how do I increase cash flow, reduce risk, preserve assets, improve liquidity, or even add, or even add new dollars back into retirement. And so what happens is, um, that's exactly what the new reverse mortgage is. It does those five things. So where you have these folks that say, I don't think I would need a reverse mortgage, 10% say maybe I'll need it, but 100% want to know what it does. And that's where we're at today. It's an exciting time right now because people are beginning to understand that what they thought it was is different from what it actually is. Excellent. I love it. So if somebody's listening and they say, okay, this does sound like something I'd be interested in, what would their next steps be to, to learn more, to start a process of deciding if it's right for them? Sure. If you're if you're person listening, the, I would say for them to go to their advisor. If they have a financial advisor, a consultant, I always say to them, please speak with your financial advisor. Because that means that the reverse mortgage can be incorporated with all your other retirement income resources. So go to an advisor to do that. With Don, I don't have an advisor. And George, I, I'm just being introduced to you, but I imagine you may have some uh, resources or you're an advisor yourself. So go back to the podcast. Click below or above and talk with George. Get pointed in the right direction. Well, Don, I'm not sure I want to do that. Well, I work, I'm able to 
point people in the right direction, and they can just go to my website, which is housingwealth.net, housingwealth.net, and you could just contact me, and I'll point you in the right direction. Um, if that's, but really, we want people to work through their financial advisor if they have one. Excellent. That, that certainly makes sense. Good advice, sir. Well, Don Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? The difference-making tip is this. Retirement is going to last longer, be less predictable, and people are coming into it with more debt than ever before. Traditional tools may not be enough to ensure that you have the best retirement. And by you, I mean either you personally or it could be your parents because there'll be some children listening who have parents who are of age. So the tip is incorporate housing wealth into the conversations that you're having with yourself, with your advisor, with your parents. Incorporate housing wealth and just simply say to them, do my parents or do I currently own my home? And was it does it make sense for me to learn how to incorporate my biggest asset in order for me to have my best retirement? And then when you do that, you can simply go to housingwealth.net. There's a calculator there. Or, George, I wrote a book. I don't know if I could talk about it, but um, you can go to housingwealthbook.com, housingwealthbook.com, and just simply read the book. It's written for um, my – I'm Kentucky Simple, as I said, so I don't use the advanced calculus in the big words. I, I just try to keep it simple. But it's a very practical tool that unpacks all the strategies that we won't cover here on this broadcast, but I think it's very important. So one of those two ways, housingwealthbook.com or just housingwealth.net to learn more. That's my, that's my Money Savage tip right now. And don't ignore your housing wealth. That is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. So thank you for that. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Don your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out housingwealth.net and all the incredible information that's on there. Thank you again, Don. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.